You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. I'm Mark Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're back in the studios. And this time... We said we were back last time. We did. And this I was, time. And I called some grief about that the other night. I was at a deal the other night, and they were like, hey, the last time y'all did a show, you said, this is... You're back on schedule now. I was like, well, things happen. Things happen. Mistakes were made. What do you say? I'm telling you what. This, to me, and going along these lines... This, to me, is one of the greatest weeks of the year, Charlie. I don't know if you, if you understand this. This is one of the greatest weeks of the year leading into this week. Do you know what it is? Well, the football team reports. No, 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 no. My kids go back to school. Okay. I'm ready for a routine. I am ready to know where they are going to be every day, and I know what my time schedule is. I am traveled out right now. Well, I had a friend that used to say that he wasn't a big football fan, but he loved football season. And he loved football season for what you just said. It establishes some order. And probably more than any other sport, sets you up for kind of a regular cadence to your time. You know, you, you build up to the week. You've got Friday night football, Thursday if you've got junior high kids, right? Monday. You Friday. If you've got seventh, seventh graders play on Monday. Well, that ought to be illegal in well, Probably. you get it. You get it out of the way now. You get it out of the way. Now, see, I like to build up to my football games. So you build up to Thursday, <laughs> then you've got Friday, then you've got Saturday, then you watch the Cowboys get mad on Sunday, and then you wake up and do it all over again on Monday. I do like a routine, and football season brings that more than any other sport. I would argue. Do you know when I know that football season is here? When the Neshoba County Fair is over. It's always when the fair is over, then it's football season. See, it used to be to me when down in Jackson they would have the Central Mississippi alumni meeting. Right. The coaches used to come. This was before we had message boards and internet. And that's the place you went if you wanted a little scoop. If you wanted to feel like, hey, I talked to the coaches, we're going to be pretty good. That was the place you went to go get it. Yeah, nothing like football, getting around a little little hint of horses. You know, you had that – had that Mississippi Coliseum smell to it, you know? Yeah, it did that. Don't want to go down there anymore. But now you don't have to because, well, there's more information out than has ever been. Hey, I know we're about to become a football show, and maybe we'll even have the official pivot to being a football show, but we were born as a baseball show. Well, I suppose that's not true, is it? This iteration of our program, our very first show that we did was the Monday Cool Down. That was about football. That was about football, and it was basically to calm down after wins or losses. We had more losses than wins, it seemed, to calm down after. That was the Joe Moorhead. The first show we ever did on the Monday Cool Down was the Monday after the loss at Kentucky under Joe Moorhead. Yeah, I needed some cooling down after that one. And so then, I guess, we started this show, the Out of Left Field show. As the name would imply. As a baseball show. And that was just a few weeks prior to the COVIDs hitting. Yeah, we got geared up, and a few weeks later. We're shutting it down. We didn't have much to talk about. Although it was some of our better shows, I think, visiting oh, with some former players. By the way, I'm sitting there at the fair this past week. And do you remember me getting the grief from the reporter in Philadelphia about mispronouncing Quinnipiac? I do remember this. Okay, she was at the fair. I saw her on the back porch of a cabin the other night, and we spent 10 minutes going over the pronunciation of Quinnipiac because I butchered it that entire weekend. Well, I can promise you this. Of all the sins in my life for which I may need to atone, <laughs> the mispronunciation of Quinnipiac. How about that? I'm going to say it how I want to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not very high on the list. That's when I finally was like, hey, listen, we're not going to play you guys again, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, all three of your fans can be outraged. So let's start with baseball. Um, a lot's been going on in baseball or not being going on, depending <laughs> on 
one's take on it. Um, look, obviously it's uh, been a summer. We know that Mississippi State needed to do a few things. Uh, they need to add some arms. Uh, they do add Carson Ligon from Miami. It adds 25 starts in ACC play to your roster. And you look at the numbers and you say, okay, it's a guy ERA high fours. What would you have given for, <laughs> for a, a high four? For a high four ERA that, by the way, went eight innings against Florida State last year. I know they weren't great, but didn't allow a run. So it's there. If you look at his numbers, he had a couple of bad outings. Otherwise, pretty good. Struggled with some injuries last year. But if you can add Ligon and he can continue to progress, where are you? You had Schulke, the guy that throws from all over the place, Gavin Black, a good Juco guy. In many ways, you add Brooks Auger, you add Stone Simmons. And then what I would say, Nate Lamb, left-hander out of Young Harris, we'll see what he can do. By the way, I'm probably one of the few people you know who has been to Young Harris College. That's not like North Georgia, right? It is the very north of Georgia, and the Appalachian Trail runs about 10 miles from there. Is that close to Helen, Georgia? Is Helen the one that's the German? The German-looking town, the Swiss Alps kind of looking place? Yes. Bavarian village look? Yes. Because that's the first time I went through there was coming back from Young Harris. Um, so, who knows? But here's the other thing you've got. You know who I think is going to be a big story? I think Colby Holcomb is going to be a big story. Here's what you saw from Holcomb last year. One, he throws hard. Two, he competes. And he can throw for a while. We saw him get up near 100 pitches a couple of times. Got Gerangelo back, Lofton back, Dome back. Sierra's been pitching well this summer. And so my challenge to to people would be this. Before you say we can't get any better, here's what I would say. I was told by many people that our former pitching coach was the problem. And so if we have fixed that problem, which one I think can make a healthy argument we have, can't we expect people to get better too? Yes, and so then you have to think about and That's one of the things I was thinking about with the transfer portal and you know, bringing guys in, and you know a lot of people kind of overreact a little bit. And, hey, I'm not trying to sit here and mask it and say that this is a glass half full and we're going to be great and, you know, this is not the company line show. But I just aspire to good. Never yeah. mind great. And so let me ask you this question. Isn't it all about just winning? It's not about – I mean, I know it's all about getting players in and players can, you know, can play well. I mean, the, the better players, the better chance you have of, of winning big. That's the thing. You, I think you just hit something there that's kind of a argument that I like to have a lot where people will text me and say, if we don't get this guy in the portal, then these guys are gone. What I say is, at the end of the day, the evaluation of our coaching staff is not going to be on who transferred in or who didn't. It's going to be, did you win or did you not? That's what it comes down to, right? Yes. And so, ultimately, the question is going to be, can you take the pieces, whatever they are, and produce wins? I really like Justin Parker. I think he's going to do a good job as a pitching coach. And different style. And sometimes I think you need – you got to switch things up. And I think Parker is going to be one of those guys who – has a different approach. I don't think we're going to feel like we can't compete in the strike zone anymore. I think we're going to have the mindset that we're going to compete in the zone. You know what I thought of the other day is when South Carolina came in here this past year, on Sunday we came in here for Sunday coffee, and we was like, man, South Carolina is a little bit more chippy than we're used to seeing South Carolina. And I just want to see a little of that. I want to see a little dog because I felt like they had a little bit of, you know, you know what I'm saying. Had just a little, I, I can't think of a nice way to put it. They just had Je some. say pa, <laughs> yeah. as the French would say. <laughs> no, I think there's something to that. And I would say that most of our chippiness last year went between the hitters and the pitchers. And so, if you were to say to me, Charlie, you tell me why we're going to be better at baseball this year than we were a year ago when we haven't added more than we have through the portal, keeping in mind there are still questions to be answered in that regard, what I would tell you is this. You have to think that we're going to find a way to field it better on the left side of the infield. 
and we add a third baseman who has been a very good defender. That's something we hadn't had for a couple of years, right? That helps you as a pitching staff if you know that if I can get a ground ball to the left side, I'm not going to be punished for it, right? Yeah, it's, it's one thing to throw strikes. It's another thing when you throw strikes that you get ground balls and you get out of an inning. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a kind of a big deal, right? You think back to Kendall Graveman. Wasn't he the guy that went down to LSU, got 21 outs on ground balls? Yeah. All right. Who He got traded to the Astros, by the way. Well, imagine Kendall Graveman this past <laughs> season. 21 ground balls. He's probably giving up seven runs and getting pulled in the fourth, right? And so you hope you can field it a little bit better and you feel like you can. You add, you do add some pitching. You add a veteran in Ligon. You add Gavin Black, who's the hard-throwing Juco guy. You've got guys. Look, everybody kind of writes off Lofton. Lofton turned down seven figures of money to come to Mississippi State. You, you, you know there's something in the tank. The question is, how do you tap into it? And let's go back. Think, Bart, about during your time watching Mississippi State baseball, how many – times have we seen guys struggle as freshmen maybe even sophomores but then be better I mean did you really like Dakota Jordan early did Chris Stratton really move you early I mean you gotta it's a pretty short list of guys who as freshmen you say wow this guy's great right I'm still trying to get past the point of what Kendall Graveman would do with a bunch of balls butchered on the left side of the infield can you imagine <laughs> what he- you just thought there was friction between pitchers and fielders at that point right exactly yeah, um, so you've, I feel like we can get better, and the lineup is going to hit. The, the lineup is going to hit. We've got, as you said, we've got freshmen that are going to be sophomores. We've got some incoming freshmen that should be really good. And I know you, you say that term, you can't count on freshmen, but we got a couple guys that they say are, and this is not just our coaches, this is people in the baseball world, that we've got some freshmen coming in that can come in and play. You think of Petrie over at South Carolina this past year who was really good. I mean, there were some impact freshmen in the SEC. Now, I'm not saying we've got a Petri coming in, but we got somebody close, I think. Boy, if we did. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. Well, and here's the thing I think of. I think back to Arkansas last year with Bolton at shortstop. Didn't hit, but he fielded everything. You got a chance in Cup to have a guy who fields that well, but maybe even gives you a little more of the bat. But if you had to give up something right now, would you give up a little bit of hitting at shortstop to make plays on the left side? <laughs> would I? Would Absolutely. You? Yes. So, and then you got Amani Larry coming back. Where does he fit in this whole scheme? I mean, we're going to have more depth. And I think that's one of the things you kind of look back at is over the past couple of years, you know, where was your depth? Because some of the decisions to leave guys out there may have been made because, all right, who are we going to put in? No, that's exactly right. And now what you do, you bring in a catcher who can give high field some catch and throw back up there. Not going to get a lot of a lot of hitting out of that backup spot, but wouldn't it just be nice to go out on a Tuesday and not have to worry about Highfield being back there taking bullets? Yeah, just make a few catches, make a few throws, and feel pretty good about where you are. So I do think, obviously, there's still some big things. When you're talking about this being the big week of the year, yeah, I was thinking, you know, who knows what happens in the baseball world, um, but still more to come there. Basketball. Did you get to watch? I did yesterday? not. I, I did not. Yesterday was one of those days where it seemed like I could not find five minutes of free time. And I guess what kind of what we were talking about is I, next week we're probably football show, and today's probably the pivot. And so we do need to talk about basketball. Now, I did hear that we look like we always do defending, that we defended well, but it looks like we got some guys who can score. Well, I'll tell you the thing that jumped out at me watching it as best I could, and I'm very appreciative of the stream, although it was a little bit like sitting at the top row at Neyland Stadium at times, just trying to figure out who was who. But uh, here's what I liked. First of all, uh, Andrew Taylor is going to be able to help us. Why didn't they send us over to do the stream? Man, that would have been nice. Good. Wouldn't it have been? That would have been great. (laughs) But you've got uh, Andrew Taylor. I saw yesterday the – Portuguese team got an easy basket under the goal, and you could tell everybody had a – everybody was a little unhappy with it. He took the inbounds pass, comes down the left side, pulls up at about 25 and drains it. 
and it was just one of those I'm mad I'm about to shoot kind of things. Um, <laughs> well, we haven't had that. No, we haven't. I think we made 10 three-pointers in that ball game. Now, look, let me be fair. You know, we're playing a bunch of plumbers, right? We're not playing. You know, this isn't uh, the greatest exhibition of basketball in the world. No. This but you don't, do the, you don't do this to go over there and try to sharpen your skills at the highest level. This, is a, this to me, is about camaraderie. That's what a trip like this is about. Well, it's about the extra practices you get right. to get ready for it. Um, hey, I'll tell you this. Jimmy Bell is going to be a very big improvement for us. Jimmy Bell is athletic. He is. He can move. He can score. We're going to have a backup option to Tolu this I, year. I'm about to bring up a point that may be a little out there. It seemed like at times last year teams, some teams, put so much effort – into stopping Tolu Smith, that some teams had success doing it. But it was almost like they would mentally take a break when Tolu came off the floor. And, hey, to be honest with you, Will McNair had some moments last year where he had some success because of that, I think. Because teams are like, okay, Tolu's off the floor. I'm going to pull my big off the floor. To me, back up big men are really big in basketball because of that factor. When you start having backups going against backups, Bell. He's good. Yeah. I mean, that's where that helps you. The depth on the front line in men's basketball, I think, is something that we don't talk about enough. No, I think you're absolutely right. But I, I like this team. The bottom line at the end of the day, if we're going to be good this year, we're going to have to shoot better, right? We can't be last. Dead well, last. Well, I was about to say this. It's kind of like, field, like pitching, right? Kind of like pitching and fielding on the left side of the infield. You just know, get good. If we can be, just be tenth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, if hey, if you're the tenth best shooting team in the league under Chris Jans, I won't be honest with you. If you're the tenth best shooting team in the league under Chris Jans and way we play defense, we're gonna have a special season. Hey, if we'd have been the tenth best pitching team in the league last year, we'd have been a lot better. Oh yeah. Because there was a big chasm between 13 and 14. I was going to say, because there's a gap just to get out of the cellar. Somebody got to throw us a ladder. Hey, we're not even on the field. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. Farm Bureau, home life, auto, whatever you're in the market for. And, of course, this is Sunday Coffee, brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Man, it was great to stop by in the original location on Highway 12 here in Starkville. Of course, they have Tupelo, Brupelo, now in Tuscaloosa as well. Did you see the Bulldog Initiative sticker out there? I did see the Bulldog Initiative sticker. Shane and those guys are big Mississippi State people and have been forever. And you go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, they'll ship it to you. You know, I was thinking about this the other day about how I just need to call Shane and say, okay, every month just ship, ship me coffee. And then I got to thinking about it as much as we're gone in a way. It's almost like the paper towels you get on the automatic roll. And then you get three weeks, they're not at home. And then for the next six months, you're trying to catch up on paper towels because you've got just an overabundance. It would be the same way with coffee with me because sometimes you're gone for two or three weeks. But that would be okay. I thought I was the only guy that had like an entire room in his home devoted to storing all the paper towels he had ordered because he was going to save 10%. Just big old boxes of paper <laughs> towels. Got more paper towels. I've cornered the market. <laughs> People ask, hey, what can you bring to the tailgate? Man, I'll tell you what, I'll bring some paper <laughs> towels. i got plenty of them. Look, if we ever have the COVID shortage on paper goods again, <laughs> I've cornered the market, man. Hey, the first week of COVID, it was the run on toilet paper. Remember I've that? i cornered that market, too. We're, we're all good. I bought a bidet. That so, got me away from that. I don't uh, care about that's TMI. <laughs> All right, so basketball, women's basketball had a welcome back dinner the other night with a lot of their women's basketball season ticket holders. Hey, I've been hearing a lot about Aaron Bynum, transferred. You know, they have some big transfers. You talk about winning in the portal, what Sam Purcell did. Aaron Bynum coming over from Arkansas, a lot of talk about her. Hey, did I tell you about earlier this summer about going to an AAU tournament? My daughter's playing AAU basketball, and we get there – and in today's world of travel sports, we think about baseball because we had kids that play baseball. We get there, and in this conference room, this convention center, they have 40 basketball courts set up. And you've got 40 games going on at one time. 
to me, like volleyball, soccer, we always talk about baseball, but, man, all these other sports, it is absolutely amazing. And I actually ran into Sam Purcell at one of those tournaments, and that's one of the NCAA rules is the parents can't talk to coaches, and coaches really can't talk to parents. It just makes it a lot easier. Of course, I didn't NCAA, NCAA rules didn't affect me because I work with Sam every day. But here's what I did learn. You know how much it costs for a one-day tournament pass? One day, 30 bucks. And I thought the dirt track circuit over at Winona, when they were getting $10 a head for a day of travel baseball was bad, 30 bucks for a day. You tell me if AE basketball ain't a moneymaker. That's why, well, I'm just going to stay off of agents and AAU, and all that, <laughs> so I'll just leave that alone. But going back to it, I had a chance to talk to Sam. I'll just say basketball has a long and comfortable relationship with money. The entire <laughs> sport has a long, familiar, and comfortable relationship with money. But you know, Sam's got to talk about his team, and you really start looking at what they have what they have coming back and the pieces that they've added. That could be a really special group this coming year. No, it's going to be a really good team. I think a really good team, and he's added – Players out on the perimeter, he's he's going to be really good in the post. So, I'm excited about what he's doing. All right, the pivot. I feel like we need a sound effect. You got a sound effect for us? I don't know. I got maybe have an old one. Remember that? Ah, that's the old draft sounder from the, the first NFL show we draft. did. That's the first show we did when we had the draft. I still have it on the board here. So, one of the things that I wish got more play, by the way thinking of sounds of football, I'm not a big Fox football theme song guy. I don't hate it, but, you know, when we put up on the, well, I still want to say Jumbotron, the video board. Jumbotron is so, that dates me so so bad, doesn't it? Jumbotron was the actual small little TV they had on the north end at one time. I never knew how bad that thing was till we put the big board up. And then it was like, man, that's embarrassing. And when it went up, you thought, man, this is the greatest ever. You can't see a thing on that. But I'm not a big Fox. I'm the old ABC Monday Night Football sound. See, I'm a CBS. I love the CBS intro. I think CBS has the worst football broadcast of all. The sound's no, terrible on all their broadcasts. No, no, I, no, I'm talking about the intro. I'm talking about the intro music. Okay, I'll maybe we'll we'll come back to you with some uh, NFL music at some point. But now it is college football time. Although there was a pretty good sounder for the ESPN college football, right? They had a pretty good thing going for a while. Yeah, they did. What is that? I think we're about to get there. Yeah, that's the old Saturday night ESPN game song right here. Ron Franklin, Adrian Karsten. Uh, who was the guy from Mobile? He was a he was a color analyst. Godfrey? Yeah, Mark Godfrey. Mike Godfrey. Mike Godfrey. Mike Godfrey. Mark Godfrey was the old Alabama basketball coach. But right? Mike and Mark were like cousins. Is that right? Oh, were they? Were the cousins or brothers? Then you had Dr. Jerry Punch. I thought Jerry Punch was one of the most underrated broadcasters there was. I was always thrown off by the doctor part. Yeah, he was like an emergency room doctor, right? Is that what he was? Yeah, I think he was. He was he actually did some doctor. NASCAR. Dr. Jerry Punch. All right, so let me ask you a few things about football. Team set to report on Thursday, and there's excitement. Number one, well, you and I have talked about this. Zach Arnett is a dude. Zach Arnett's a really intelligent guy. I think if there is anything people miss, and I've heard this several times this week, Say this, man. Zach Arnett and his staff have been out working the state of Mississippi. They are they're going everywhere, raising money, doing those kind of things, trying to support the Bulldog Initiative and help there. And the one thing people tell me all the time is, well, number one, I didn't know how nice a guy he was. And two, that dude's really smart. Almost like people are surprised. He, he looks like a football <laughs> coach, but – I mean, he is a highly intelligent guy. You see him on the sideline screaming and yelling, and you're like, okay, he's a typical football defensive line coach or a strength coach that just yells and screams. But, yeah, he's got some depth to him. He can talk about a lot of different subjects. And here's the thing that, that kind of along the lines you were just alluding to, Charlie, is I never realized how good he would be 
in crowds and with people. And we, we had an event this past week, and the way he works a room, I mean, there are not many football coaches out there that are really good football coaches. And I think Zach Arnett is a good football coach. I think he understands football. But he also is a good people person. And there are not many people out there like that. He's an approachable guy. He has made more fun of me this past week than anybody possibly can, and I take it. But I dish it back to him every now and then in private. But, uh, but no, he has been great to deal with. All right, so as we get set for football, as we go forward, one thing we will not be doing is counting down. It's day 99 and day 98, day 97. But even though today, five weeks from today, we'll be talking about a football game the previous day. Okay, but we're not going to say like, so that's 35 days no. and number 35 is so-and-so. Absolutely right? not. That requires too much thinking on my part. So here, though, are my questions. I have some questions to ponder today. I have five questions about football that I want us to talk through, Bart. Okay. Question number one, who are the two most important people to replace off of last year's team? You lose some guys, you lose your center, you lose Dylan Johnson, Ra-Ra Thomas from the offense, you lose Forbes, Wheat, you lose Charlton, Cam Young. Who Ooh. to you are the – you give me one, I'll give you one. Most important person to replace off last year. Hands down, Emmanuel Forbes. That's tough to argue against. Because a lockdown corner, and he was he was a lockdown corner, that changes the game, especially in today's world of throwing the ball over the field and, and what you do and how you scheme. If you've got a guy that you can put on an island one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you've got a special chance on the defensive side, and it makes everybody better. Losing Emmanuel Forbes and trying to replace Emmanuel Forbes, to me, is the most important piece. I think that's right. It puts a lot of pressure on DeCamry and Richardson. DeCam, a good football player, but I don't think of him in that league just yet uh, in terms of being a cover corner. That's no insult to say to somebody they're not quite yet a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. But it's not so much what – DCAM does or doesn't do. It's where do you go on the other side? Who's going to fill in that spot? So that's a, that's a tough one. The other thing about Forbes, I think, that was underrated, the impact he had in the kicking game, meaning he could block a kick. He oh, could yeah. hurry a field goal attempt. And it made you work a little bit faster, got people out of sync. Um, since he's off the board, I'm going to go with Tyrus Wheat. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time talking about Jet Johnson being back, about Nathaniel Watson, Buki being back. That's going to be your Mike and Will. Um, but somebody's got to go over there at strong side. And To me uh, about Tyrus Wheat, one of the things I think was so underrated about him is how good of a tackler he was. It wasn't about just putting yourself in position to make plays. There, were rarely, there was rarely a situation where Tyrus Wheat didn't get to the ball carrier and didn't deliver and didn't at least come up with a tackle. And so, to me, in a world today, and, hey, that's one of the things we've been able to say. You talk about Zach Arnett and the teaching style of Zach Arnett. Our defense as a whole, you know, if, if you're going to replace him, whoever, J.P. Purvis or whoever, I mean, those guys have locked you up and made tackles, every one of them. So, you think back to the position. So, by the way, Deshaun Page, I think, will give you a good backup at Mike and Will. When you look at the strong side linebacker, though, where you're replacing Tyrus Wheat, if you look back the past couple of years, it's been Tyrus Wheat and Sherman Timms. When Tyrus didn't play in the bowl game, Sherman Timms did. And so it's not like anybody got to develop in that game. J.P. Purvis is a guy that's having to put on some weight to get over there. He's going to be your older guy. I saw him earlier this week. He is a bigger guy than he was. The thing that jumped out at me, though, is remember the ball game last year where Nathaniel Watson got thrown out, got ejected for early yeah, helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact, targeting, and we put Purvis in. And I remember tweeting during the game that J.P. Purvis was playing like somebody who didn't want to come out. But now what you're doing is you're asking him to put on some weight, and he has. The thing that jumped out at you at that ball game was how quick he was, how fast he was. Can he do that? And then the younger guy who I think can actually really play is going to be John Lewis. So, but look, 
Tyra Sweet was second team all conference a couple of times, so some big shoes to fill there. So you go with Forbes, and since he's off the board, I'll go with Tyrus Wheat. And here's the reason I don't go with Cam Young and Randy Charlton is because I think we've got some redshirt freshmen that are going to be really good along the, the defensive front. Travion. Travion Williams. Calvin Dinkins. I mean, that guy can – I mean, he can squat a you know, Mack truck – Got a kid from Lake. I mean, well, and and I could argue to some degree that Crumity is kind of a new player because he missed eight games last year, and so when you start thinking about where you go as a defense, you you played most of the year last year without Crumity, and when you had him, he was really really good. Now the other thing, and you go back to Dinkins, my thing with defensive linemen, to me, it's not so much about how many tackles they make; it's how many blockers do they occupy. How do they free up linebackers? I remember Errol Thompson. So, everybody was talking about his senior year where Errol Thompson's slower. It's like, no, he's not. It's just that he doesn't have Jeff Simmons and Montez Sweat <laughs> taking up four blockers on every play. It's easier to run around when people aren't in your way. So, all right, question number one then was who are the two most important people, Tyrus Weed, Emmanuel Forbes. Question number two, what will people be complaining about after the first game of the season? He – Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, um, I am going to say the paint <laughs> logo. <laughs> logo, the uniforms, yeah, what logo you're wearing. Now, I'm trying to think. I guess the first thing I say is the running game. Because in this style of running game, and first of all, you know, we haven't really had a running game in the past three years. Um, in this style of running game, Two out of every three runs, when you start talking about getting to mesh points and about reads, you know, it's it's almost like Judkins at Ole Miss last year. During the season, sometimes two runs, he was getting hit at the line of scrimmage, and that was it. But that third run, you pop it for about 12 yards. And so I think from the casual fan standpoint, they may look at the running game and say, man, we just didn't run the ball that well. But every third time, you're getting eight, nine yard, more yards, more explosive plays. I think people with the onus being on the running game now, uh, I think that may be one thing. Now, you're playing southeastern Louisiana. You better run the football effectively against southeastern Louisiana. I was waiting on you to say, since we haven't even had one for the past three seasons, we're not throwing it to the tight end enough. You know, if we were to go back 20 years ago, every fan base in the world, throw it to the tight end. Um, special teams, kicking is one that, that always scares me coming into a new season. I'm going to go with pace of play. I think people are going to look and say, well, we didn't run enough plays offensively. And I think a couple of things are going to go into that. One, they don't stop the clock as much anymore. Games are going to be shorter. Yeah, games are going to be a lot shorter. And now how long we have to sit there for timeouts, we'll have to see. But you're not going to stop it on every first down, so the clock's going to run a little bit more. The second thing is I, it looks – Kevin Barbet, when he was in App State, they went out and won at Texas A&M, and they held the football 42 minutes of the game. You don't hold the football 42 minutes of the game without taking your time now and then. And in a world where now the popular thing to do is to go tempo and – you know, play fast and do all those things. I'm not sure that's going to be who we are. And so I, I'm going to put pace of play, fewer offensive plays as a nominee. You know, the thing about that A&M game they played last year, I went back and watched that game. They were in third and two all day. I mean, the, it was a first down play of four or five yards. It was a second down play of about three or four yards. And you had third down and one and third and two all day long. So it's not like you're ripping and roaring up and down the field because they played it very conservative in that A&M game. But they were always third and one, third and two, or fourth and one, fourth and two, and they always converted. I mean, it was almost like they just kept the ball away from A&M. And you start thinking of third and one and third and two, we obviously know we have in Woody Marks. One of the discussions has been about Kevon Lee, the guy transferred in running back from Penn State. And all the guys say he looks like a downhill kind of runner. And so it'll be interesting to see what we do package-wise on those. You know, do we go 12 personnel? Do we load up? Do we, I just want to see us go under center and use a fullback one day, <laughs> just just for old time's sake, you know. Let's get in the eye. Um, all right, so 
those things people could complain about. What's the biggest question mark for you on this team going into this season? Not a personnel thing necessarily, but what is it that you want to see to see if we can be successful? To me, it's a complete change of style on the offensive line. Now, the positive is, is Will Friend has been a very good offensive line coach wherever he has been. If he has been at Tennessee, if he's been at Georgia, if he's been at Alabama, if he's been at Auburn, all these places that Will has been, and I saw Will the other day, and we talked about going to the fair. Of course, he went to Neshoba Central. I think Will's a very good offensive line coach. And so that, to me, is is one of the big things because under Mike Leach, you wanted big guys, that, and they were always in pass block mode. This is going to be a completely different style for your offensive line. I'm not saying anything about our personnel. I think our personnel is actually okay, but just a different style. And how long will that take uh, to to get that style, you know, you know, under under your belt? You know, the other guy we talk about, Will Friend, Mike Schmidt coming in. Schmidt is a guy um, who was the offensive line coach at San Diego State for nine seasons. He's going to come in and coach tackles, tight ends. So there's a guy that's got a relationship and a background with Zach Arnett. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm going to give you one, Bart, that, you know, we've talked so much about the passing game over the past couple of years because obviously that was the only form of offense we had. But the idea was we got to throw it deep. we got to throw it deep. We're not taking our shots. We're not taking our shots. And everybody looks at the receivers and says, man, we're loaded at receiver. But we're now going to be asking receivers to do things they haven't really been asked to do that much. How many times do we get in here on Sunday coffee after a game and we talk about the term average depth of target? And under Mike Leach, our average depth of target early on was like six yards. And then it moved up to like seven yards and eight yards. And that's a good point, Charlie, that you're making right there. You know, Tulu Griffin is used to getting the ball within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now you're going to be asking Tulu to get open at 15 to 18 yards down the field in a lot of your schemes. And so your offensive – I talk about our offensive line having different things that they're trying to do. Our wide receivers are going to have different things they're going to try to do is get separation at 15 yards instead of seven. And you wonder, too, if this doesn't suit a guy like a Justin Robinson, a little bigger, yeah. a little more physical, if, if he might not really shine – one of the things that gives you hope, I remember back in the spring game, Xavion Thomas making that catch way down the field from Rodgers for a touchdown. He did a beautiful job of competing for a ball. Will put it right where it had to go. But for me, can our receivers get separation in this new scheme and get open down the field in a style of offense that's going to want to throw it down the field more? And you got transfers like Freddie Robertson and Balazar, the Juco guy, Creed Whitmore. I mean, the guy from down in Gainesville. And so you've got some different players that I think have a chance to have a little bit more success in the big plays at the wide receiver position. All right, so that's question three. Question four, how many days until Zach Arnett says we didn't have a good practice today or I'm not going to talk about injuries? I put the over-under at practice number three. He kind of comes across as the old-school ball coach. And you, you know how old school coaches were. We were absolutely terrible today. One of my uh, favorite quotes, and this was from hockey, Herb Brooks, who coached the 1980 Olympic team, movie Miracle was made after. He had the great line. He says, we're getting worse every day, and right now we're playing like it's next month. And so, <laughs> and the, uh, but, man, think about it. Even down to high school, how many coaches, you high school football players, take note. You're going to have a day, and you're going to go out there, and for whatever reason, your coach is going to be in a bad mood before practice even starts. And no matter what you do, they're going to complain that it wasn't done right. And it's all an act. It's all an act. <laughs> I mean, how many times? I mean, you could just count on it. And I used to – I once, by the way, went to the library back on microfilm, and I was looking to – I was in an argument about when somebody signed. And so I'm digging through things back from the 70s, and I'm reading the practice reports in the paper because that was all you had. And the little snippet was, you know, like, Tyler disappointed in Bulldogs' effort at practice today. 
You think he just – that's on the schedule. That's on the master plan of here's our bad practice. <laughs> you got it. He has planned that bad practice for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thursday the 13th is it, the day that I'm just going all out. And it's so bad that we're canceling the day off for tomorrow. You know. <laughs> you schedule the day off for the 14th, but three weeks before that, you know that you're going to practice on the 14th. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember a high school football coach who didn't want everybody. He felt like they'd been practicing too much. But he tells them, um, you know, this is such a bad practice. We're not taking the off day tomorrow. Everybody comes in there. They get dressed for practice, and he just yells at them for two hours, and then they go home. You know, they do film <laughs> and board, set their pads. Nobody actually practiced, but he killed their off day. Um, that's the one thing, though, that does jump out at me. People tend to overreact to training camp reports. Man, this guy kind of got banged up today. Uh oh, how many weeks is he getting? The overreaction of the minor injury. Yes, you're going to have that. You're going to have coaches saying they had good days, bad days. It's just like fall baseball for me. It's why I do not get excited one bit about who's supposedly great in fall baseball because it's different when you're playing the other guys. Um, Final question uh, for football I'm going to remove Will Rogers. And I'm going to remove Buki Watson from this conversation. I'm going to ask you this. Who's your MVP on this team? And when I say MVP, I'm not talking about media MVP. I might even say um, hardest to replace. Who, who's, the, who's the guy that just is going to matter? I think it's Tulu on the offensive end. And here's the reason why. He's just different. That cat is just different. I mean, he gets – he gets separation. He knows how to weave in traffic. I just think he's a in an offense that's going to be made about big plays. He's a big play guy, and to me, Tulu Griffin. That's why to me, he may be the most important piece. You have missed the right answer. Okay, the right answer is Jaden Crumedy. Well, I, yeah, Jaden Crumedy cannot be replaced. We are significantly better when he's on the field. Well, that's and- true too. I mean, I, I was. We just talked about, off, about we just Tula. talked about offense, and I thought you were like wanting an offensive guy. All right, so here's here's the argument I make. Number one, I tend to agree with you on Tulu, but I would say this: Justin Robinson can play, Xavion can play, and we're going to try to be a little more balanced anyway. It doesn't matter what you do; it doesn't matter how fast Travion Williams grows up or Dinkins, any of these other guys. And look, you still got Nathan Pickering who can play. So I'm not I'm not trying to short the other guys. Cromedy is probably the most underrated, unfairly overlooked player on this team. I mean, people who know football know it, but you're not going to see many people walking into games with Cromedy jerseys on, right? But I'm telling you, this guy's this guy can flat play. He can, and yeah, I I agree with that. He just he's just a dude. Yeah, he's he's built different. So. Um, the one thing – I want to go back to one question, though. Biggest question mark we talked about, you know, can we block? You know, when we have a new scheme, that's going to be a big issue. Can we effectively run it? I, I think the thing, though, for me, if I were – if you could give me the power to solve one question on this team, it would be in the defensive secondary. It would yeah. be if I could – if I could right now get the genie out of the bottle – and get one wish, it would be that we were an elite coverage team because I think if we do that, everything else will be good enough. Because you ask yourself about swing games. To me, that South Carolina game on the road, and what's going to be key over there at South Carolina is not letting Spencer Rattler, who is as volatile of a player as it gets. He's either really good or really bad. That's a tough place to play. And that's going to be a tough place to play. You're going to have to cover well in that game. We could be a really good football team and have a not-so-great start to this year. I'm down. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can come in and beat directional. You could beat Arizona. Arizona. But then you got LSU. LSU, South Carolina, and then Alabama. And then you still got to go to Arkansas. You still got to go to Texas A&M. You kind of wonder when that, you know, when that run against A&M is going to end. Because we have had their number. And I think the thing that really kind of jumps out at me is when everybody starts talking about we're going to win X number of games, 
they do that thinking about the names of the teams they're playing as opposed to what those teams really look like. And to me, that's that's along the lines of, you know, I had somebody ask me that at the fair. How many games are going to win this year? Man, I, I don't know because we could be a lot better football team with a worse record or we could be a, have a really good record. It's kind of like baseball. You know, the people that say, hey, okay, what do you got to do in baseball? We got we to gotta go to a super regional this, this year in baseball. You can't, you can't deal in those facts. I mean, you could – Dave Van Horn. You yeah, gonna you going to fire him? You going to fire Dave Van Horn for not making a super regional this past year after winning the SEC championship overall? I mean, you can't deal with knowns in that situation. You're going to know. You're going to know whether you're good enough, whether you've passed the point of getting good. I think this football team – okay, let me ask you this. I want to ask you the elementary question. Do you think we're going to be a good football team this year? Yes. I do too. I think we're going to be a good football team this year. And that could mean seven wins. Yes. Easily. could mean seven wins. could mean ten wins. And that's the thing. I, I look back, too, at how many one-possession games came out of last year. People talk about Alabama being a disappointment, lose a couple of games at the end. Now they won a few games. They had several games that were decided in the final minute. You don't win them all. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that you do know, that they're good at all times. Country-pleasing sausage. Country-pleasing sausage. Is that where you were going? I was going to go with Cannon Ford of Startle. That's okay. Country-pleasing is the same way. I know when I sit down with with sausage, the country-pleasing is going to be good. And, hey, here's the thing, too, is they cater now. If you're in the Jackson metro area and you need to feed 500 people, they can do it. That new butcher shop that they have that down there on Highway 49 in Florence is amazing. It is a sight to behold. It is amazing. So, my daughter uh, engaged now. Congratulations. Uh, means uh, I'm going to need to work a lot of overtime here in the coming year. Well, I mean, so let me ask you this. Is your daughter the type that you could say, okay, I'll give you fifteen grand just to go to the beach? Well, I can say it. It just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first of my bids. But fiancé living in Birmingham, and the thing that my daughter did last weekend, she went over for the weekend, and she took a cooler of country-pleasing sausage. Hey, you can now buy it in Birmingham at Publix. Not can Publix. You? No, it's uh, Kroger. Okay, well, he's going to be glad to know that because we have now made two shipments of country-pleasing. The jalapeno cheddar is the... The predominant one, although the just the good old-fashioned original makes it, too. I had to crawfish and pork the other night. It was fantastic. Of course, they've been making that for years. They're just marketing it now. They've been putting it in New Orleans restaurants, but country-pleasing sausage. But also, someone that you know that is going to be good. It's like, you're going to be good, and that's Cannon Ford of Startle. If you need a spray and bed liner, if you need a service center for your car, if you... Ding up your car, need the body shop, they can help you there. Chris Keen and the fine folks at Cannon Ford of Starville. Of course, if you're in the market for a new or used car, that's why they're there, is to sell you a car. And they'll sell it to you in a nice way. And they will not rip you off at all. But Cannon Ford of Starkville. I'm not sure that's the tagline that they're going to go with. I didn't have that we written down. They will not rip you off at all. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the banner outside of Cannon Ford? Come see Chris Keene. He will not rip you off at all. I don't I don't have anything written down. That was just okay. kind of off the top of my head, you know. Right. That's the marketing side of me. Hey, so um, I was talking about my daughter a minute. One of my favorite people is one of my daughter's friends, Anna Claire. Okay. All right. Anna Claire got married a couple of weeks ago, and that's significant for a couple of reasons. The first reason that it's significant is because in the past 20 years, her wedding marked the third that I have attended. The other two that I had attended involved family members. Then I chose to go to Anna Claire's wedding. And the reason that I chose was because she is a loyal podcast and broadcast listener and will be listening right now. And from her honeymoon in the Caribbean, I got a picture from her sent to me on text of her and some guy, not her husband, by the way, which caused some concern uh, originally till her husband was later in the pictures, that she met on her honeymoon who also listens to this podcast. Where in the Caribbean? Yes. 
I think it was uh, one of those like a Sandals Resort, maybe in Jamaica, somewhere like that. But uh, yeah, so Anna Claire from her honeymoon sending pictures, thinking about us here on the Out of Left Field show. Well, we're back now. If you decide to get married next weekend, next Saturday, and you're going on your honeymoon next Sunday, we're we're we'll be here with you. So from here on out, we're pivoting to a football show. And we're here with you, of course, during the fall, we'll have our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Go ahead, by the way, as you're making your calendar for the late winter as we start to look to spring. February 10, just go ahead and know that's when we'll be playing Ole Miss at home in basketball at 6 because that's the day that my daughter has chosen to get married. What? Yeah, so we're going to have a February wedding, and I'm just, I just told her, here's what you got to know. I'm going to the game. Just wedding times as needed. Now, the schedule hasn't been released. I'm just telling you that's my luck. That's my luck is that we're going to have a home game against Kentucky. But, you know, that's a good move because for us, we know, if you know if you love sports in any way in the South, you do not get married in the fall. You just don't do it. No. Well, I'm going to choose an off weekend. No, let me tell you something. If I've got an off weekend in football, I don't want to spend my off weekend at a wedding. No. And so then the spring, too, with baseball, summer is too hot. July, you want to have the outdoor. No, it's it's miserable for everybody. February, I like. It's okay. It's indoor. It's before baseball season starts. It'll be our last weekend right before baseball because we'll open up at home almost certainly that next weekend. I think she put a lot of thought into that. Well, I'm just telling you, it's going to be Kentucky. It's going to be Ole Miss. It'll be a night game just to spite me. But I did tell her, if it is at 2 o'clock, I might even have to get dressed first. You might see me in a suit at a basketball game, <laughs> but I intend to attend. It's like the piano recital I had when I was in third grade. I had a baseball game right after it, so I did my piano recital in my baseball uniform. You did piano? For one year. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> okay. Hey, enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks again, once again, uh, to our friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Strange Brew Coffee House. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and they'll ship it to you. Country Pleasing Sausage. Countrypleasing.com. They'll ship it to you as well. Cannon Ford of Starville. Nobody beats a cannon deal. Nobody. Right here in Starville on Highway 182, just east of town. We didn't talk about Tracks Plus. They've got that location in Hattiesburg now. Of course, Hickory, Columbus, Alexandria, Louisiana, Bessemer, Alabama, Saney Excavators and Mini Excavators. You have the Barco equipment for the Foresters, just a growing brand in the forestry world. They were at the Expo this past week down in Jackson Outdoor Expo. Our good friends at Trax Plus. Go to TraxPlus.com and look at some of the used machinery, the new machinery that they have down there. And, of course, our friends at Bank First. Go to BankFirstFS.com for all your lending needs. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.